All right, yo, yo, yo. All right, everybody. So today is uh, Saturday. Um, I think August twenty sixth, two thousand twenty. It's about four thirty in the evening. After a long day of work, four fifty, almost five o'clock in the evening. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about the expanse. I finally finished off all four seasons. Ready for season five, um, and my thoughts about it are—it's a slow burn. The first, you know, going all the way back to the first season, you know, James Holden—they introduced a lot of characters. Now, I guess if you knew about it, because I guess there's books about it, you know, you had a leg up. But I, for me, I was lost. There was a lot of things going on. Talking about this OPA, talking about spaceships, talking about different planets, and the vast amount of names in places that there is kind of hard to follow along in the beginning. Um, but then season two comes around and completely reorganizes the show, and you're off and running. Now, all the events of season one, they just like kind of dabble in. Sprinkling everybody's story. But season two, it really kicks off. And I've talked about season two before. Uh, Earth and Mars are at each other's fucking throats. The belt is... To me, it would be like the new age slavery. Like, people went to the belt. And pretty pretty much you're working for free. You're working... It's almost like a gel. Like, if you get sent to the belt, you're... There's no escaping it. They don't. They're so disorganized. It's, it's factions, or you could say another way, is it's gang oriented. Um, I do love the belts. Talk. I'm not exactly sure whose bright idea was to give the belters. Um, like a, I want to say it's like an Irish. Uh slang to them or maybe it's partially Jamaican it's kind of partially I think it's up for interpretation but they all they all kind of talk like that and you know the belters I don't know I can't I can't describe the accent of the belters but I kind of feel like that fit with them and everybody sounds a little bit different but you know they're the part of the belt based off the way they talk um and to me, the way they classified each and every system, to me, makes the most... It actually, the story makes a lot of sense uh, through and through. It's really well written. It's really well thought out. The story is absolutely... I mean, they could continue this on for, like, fucking five more seasons. I don't think I'd get tired of it because there's so many different little things happening. There's so many different avenues that they could take. There's so many different layers to the whole thing um it's to me it's really impressive how they built the story they built the worlds they built and there's attention to detail like let's for example let's talk about the mars and the martians from what i know about where we're at today we want to colonize mars so i'm assuming that some point in the future they the my the guy who wrote it his mind was like okay we've colonized mars uh they turned it into kind of like an industrial 
entity mining shit for Earth. You know, Earth, they set up some trade, obviously, you know. Um, maybe they colonized the, the moon, too, but uh, the moon isn't really... Even though they talk about Luna in this last season, season four, they don't, they kind of don't really talk about the moon. But I think they, I think they did go to the moon, but the moon was just a springboard to Mars. Mars, I guess they set up a colony there. They, they set up colonies. Earth did. And it was a long held dream. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure how long Mars has been a colony in the show. They don't say that. Maybe there's a specific timeline in the book or somewhere online. But they they colonized it. And now their people, I guess they fought. I don't know if they fought for their independence or they had like a, a revolution like the United States did. But they, they got their independence. They were in the process of terraforming the Mars and Earth kind of was on their neck about trade, about this, about that so they got kind of I don't want to say, they got kind of sidetracked because they decided to build their own military to stop Earth from fucking with them just how Earth or just how the United States did when, when the original colonies did back in the day. They put all their efforts into the fight with, you know, Great Britain. And I think Mars put all their chips into this military. They raised them to defend themselves against Earth or Earthers as they're called. Now, that halted the terraforming of the planet and it drove them into the necessity of getting more materials from other places which led to the belt the belt is a you know our asteroid belt and I guess um, at some point I'm assuming Mars the colony had been around for a couple hundred years because then they went to the belt and the belt they built ships out there. They they mined. They talk about that a little bit in the first season. How they mined whole asteroids of eyes, whole asteroids of iron, and both Earth and Mars uh, harvested it under on the backs of the belt of belters, and the belters were getting not their fair shake of things. Anyways, the population of the belt over so many years blew up where some asteroids have like 100,000 inhabitants and they colonize different places. And and they're so... Because it's not like a solitary planet like Earth or, or Mars, the belt and belters had at liberty to hop to different asteroids and become different factions. So that, I'm telling you, that like... The, the intricacies be- between the belt, Mars, and Earth, the, the the writing of it is phenomenal because I I can see that actually happening. Like if if you were to go, if we were somehow to go colonize the asteroid belt and we were able to live there, it would be like every 
asteroid could be its own country and have speak differently and you know and they do they have very different each faction of the belt is different of its own has its own leaders has each one has their own agenda uh, while Mars is, Mars becomes the military powerhouse of the system Earth is still Earth as they said in I think season 3 Earth has the numbers they just don't have the tech that Mars has Mars because they so focused on being a military they have they had the better weapons they had the better stealth stealth tech they had the better um military personnel they just had everything better better ships um and and on earth they had to set up a basic income because there was nothing left for people the people of earth to do there was nothing left for them to do some of people have power money and all that but most of the majority of the people had nothing to do they were so bored and i'm i'm taking that like i said i'm taking that this whole thing is set up like 500 to a thousand years from now um obviously we destroyed the planet uh the oceans aren't green fucking sky is smoggy this and that and the other thing obviously we haven't gotten past war and everything is running kind of clockwork until the shady shit the people behind the the scenes pulling the strings of what is known to be is the proto-molecule. Now, the proto-molecule isn't invasive. See, I think the proto-molecule isn't the end-all, say-all of alien tech out there. They made it very clear. The proto-molecule, from what I... it it's It's almost like a virus... Anything it touches, it reorganizes, it, it absorbs the host, and it, and it builds. It's what it, kind of like what a virus does in a computer. It zaps in there, it takes over, and eventually, if you let a virus go, I mean, it's just going to be running amok. That's kind of what the protomolecule is. However, late in season four... Or even season three, they find out that the proto molecules are the builders, and there's something out there that destroyed them. The people of our system don't know what it is. Eventually, the proto molecule that was on Eros flew to Venus, hibernated, coalesced, do whatever it is built built the ring and it opened up what is I've be dubbed was the expanse they call it the ring but that truly is the expanse I, I thought the expanse was that we were fucking around expanding in our system but the expanse is the ring that is the protomolecule that is it opened up 1300 possible dimension or not dimension possible earth having realms and you can get through it through the ring. Now, it's interesting to know that James Holden, Naomi Nagata, and all in the company of the Rossinati, um, 
they're in the mac, smack dab middle of everything. And James Holden, even though he never touched the protomolecule, he becomes attached to him. The protomolecule becomes self-aware of him. And Miller is able to communicate with him and only him. Um, and I think that was linked up through the protomolecule that was left the board, the Rosinate. Was it, it was able to communicate with James Holden and um, you know the story progressed through season four you got a little bit of Thomas Jane in there um, and season four deals with our first venture through the ring into another planet that is habitable you can breathe the air I think it's called Isol or, or Ice it's not Isis but I think it's Isil or something like that. It's a habitable planet. Uh, it all, you know, and it just, just how, just how I would think the the powers that be in the 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 expanse, you know, series. They don't want people, especially the belt, to fly in and out uh, through the ring. So they put some sort of restrictions on it. And the belt, and I, you know, I'm more in tune with the belt and the belt's way of thinking it earth and mars both the cock blocking the use of the ring and the belt wants to go and mine these fucking other planets to make to get themselves rich to get to get their shake of the you know they want control of the ring that's what it comes down to And, and honestly the ring is posted up near them they should have territorial ownership of it However, Earth and Mars are cock-blocking and, you know, the bell, I think the bell has every right to, as you find out, I have ever, I feel that Marco, the character that they prop up during season four, Marco does, he isn't wrong. He is not wrong. Uh, regardless of what they feel about the proto-molecule, the proto-molecule already happened. It's out there. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what James Holden thought of the proto. But the proto molecule happened. It's built, and whatever comes with it, there's nothing more he can do. He can just try to destroy the proto molecule all he wants. Uh, I think that's a huge disadvantage. They just. I don't believe the the scientists had enough time to study the proto molecule, and I and I believe that they should. They shouldn't weaponize, but they should. Build with it. The proto molecule is able to build certain things. It's the builder of the rings. They should be able to figure out the the Earth, Mars, and the belt should figure out how to use the proto molecule. Uh, maybe that'll come through, you know, season five, hopefully. Um, but yeah, you know, I kind of feel as if the show has way much more potential and it's good I, I give it two thumbs up you know I, I don't got any attachment to the characters like the characters are kind of so so but the story is really well written it's really really well written um, 
the graphics of it, the spaciness of it, yes, it is on the hair sci-fi side, but it doesn't take away from anything that they've done. Uh, I like the fight scenes that they showed. The Ross and Eddie got shot up and the bullets coming through the ship. That shit looked like real as fuck. Some of the space shit has Star Trek and Star Wars beat. Some of the shit that they do has has both of those series beat. Uh, obviously, Star Wars has them beat in certain other aspects, like the ship designs overall. You know, like the Millennium Falcon was OG. Like, there's nothing like that. There's no distinguishable ships in space. Although, I think that's kind of done on purpose because we're to the point... Star Wars would be like 10 to 20,000 years in our future, maybe. While the Expanse is more like 500. So, I think the ships are more economical, more... Uh, they're more the sense like, you know, built for transportation, built for hauling goods. They're not necessarily built for what Star Wars ships are built for, leisure or more of like a cool factor, you know, because all, all of that mining and all of that spaceship in Star Wars was... You know, all that shit was already. That was already established. They were past, they were past that stage of space exploration. Uh, however, in this one, the space exploration has just just kicked off, and we're still more of the. We have to build shit in order to get shit done. So you get more bulky, more construction-looking tech. You know, as far as spaceship goes. But that, like I said, that doesn't detract from anything that the expanse. The, the stories, like I said, the story, I, the story's phenomenal. It's had me hooked since season two. Season one, I was trying to get through. Season two, really ramped up shit. Uh, season three was an extension of season two, and season four kind of was like, like I wanted to see what the fuck is gonna go on. And now that I got a good idea. Uh, season 5 You know I want to talk a little bit about season 5 As you know The meteor that was launched Or the asteroid that was launched by Marco Is now hurling towards Earth And I hope it hits I really do I really hope it fucking fucks up the Earth And that we are left with only You know Mars A little bit of Earth And a little bit of belt And left in space Um I hope that they touch on that. I hope Earth... I hope Earth gets fucking... Like, half of Earth's... Earth gets fucked up. Like, like I, that's what I'm hoping. Uh, but we'll see how it shakes out. And, you know... To me, I, I was wondering about that, too. And I was like, you know what? They're still fucking around with nukes. I was wondering what was going to be the weapon that was going to set set it off and I think it's this asteroid attack um, to me that seems like the most plausible world ending weapon you know you can launch a nuke from space but they had weapons that could stop it and actually launching an asteroid as a weapon to me is the most well thought of thing even the Death Star 
it just it planet cracked. You know, that's what they call it in um, you know the last Jedi. It's a planet planet cracking technology. It's miniaturized Death Star tech. You know, to me that seems almost pointless when you could just hurl an asteroid at a planet and fuck it up, like. Even though the Death Star is cool and the Star Destroyer is, you know, that shit is diabolical to say the least. Um, Hurling an asteroid seems like the most logical thing. You know, if you hurl a big enough one at a planet, it's it's a fucking world ender. It's Armageddon. It's what killed the dinosaurs. It's fucking reset your civilization. I think that, and I think that asteroid... That's hurling towards us is enough to reset fucking Earth's priorities and send them back to the stone. And actually, that is to me that's why that's an effective weapon. Uh, you can fuck up an entire civilization hurling an asteroid. You can send them back to the stone age. They don't matter how advanced you are. If you got fucking half your shit knocked off, you got half your shit knocked the fuck off. You know. To me, that's just what it is. Like, like, damn, like that. You know, that's a good fucking. You know, that's a good fucking weapon to have. To even think of that as a weapon, I didn't never thought about that as a good weapon. Um, that, and that just goes to show you how well it's written. Um, the acting is good. Overall, the expanse is good. You know, I really liked it. Um, like I said, I'm waiting for season five. By far, that's the better show on Amazon Prime than fucking uh, The Boys. The Boys really... Season two is really dragging its feet. But, you know what? Fucking The Expanse is really good. You know, ever since I've been seeing the commercials for The Expanse, I was kind of, you know, interested in watching it. And I'm really glad I did. I I really feel that this is that's the show that is the gap between movies that we have now and you know space movies that we have now like you have your aliens you have your Star Trek you have your Star but that's those are like three four five ten thousand years in the future even though Star Wars says in a, in a galaxy long long ago um, to me, the expanse is kind of like our baby steps into that sort of a thing, and I, and I kind of and I dig that because I always kind of wondered, you know, I wondered to myself, like, damn, if I were to fucking hibernate for a thousand years, what were where would we be? Like, and I think that's every, I think that thought comes across everybody at some point, especially when it comes to space, especially when it comes to technology like cell phone or this or that, you know, especially when it comes to shit like that, like, you would think like, fuck, like, how could they build spaceships with what, and the Expanse really does touch on that a lot, and I really, that's what I really like about the show, that it does touch on how, you know, they mine whole asteroids of ice that produced water for planets, you know. 
And that to me is a fucking brilliant idea. You mine the asteroid belt for chunks of ice that could be used aboard a whole planet to create an entire ocean of water. And all you'd have to do is just pluck it from the asteroid belt that's got millions of millions, even hundreds of millions of fucking rocks of straight metal ore and all the building blocks of life. And to me, you go and you mine a, a, a asteroid full of iron and you take it and you make, you can make an entire, you know, country worth of fucking you know of fucking material nails screws ships you know things you need pipes to me that's that's an amazing fucking you know kind of like a a thing now the story that's interwoven between each and every is is good too. I know I touched on that. Um, Fred Johnson, all of that. I really like the fact that the Mormons thought they were going to build a fucking giant spaceship to lead their people to fucking the nether reaches of space and they fucking hijacked it. <laughs> that was one of my more favorite parts. My, my other favorite, one of my other favorite part on it um, throughout the four seasons was you know the tussle between Earth and Mars. I, I was like, fuck, I wanted to know if Mars was going to... Because they were talking about fucking ending each other. And I was like, fuck, I kind of hope they do. That would be some shit to see, like, one of the two planets wiped off our system. Like, um, But yeah, man, I mean, if you haven't seen The Expanse, I highly recommend watching it. You know, and I just... And in season four, let's talk about season four. Season four, they get to ISIL. And, uh... That's the first planet they go and try to fuck with through the ring. That's one of 1,300. So there's 1,299 other possible fucking worlds they can visit. But they went and visited the one. And the proto-molecule was there. Now, the proto-molecule was there in a more advanced state. And I believe... See, I don't believe the proto-molecule is the ultimate bad guy. They pretty much say in Season 4 that there is something else out there that destroyed the proto-molecule. And it's a fucking... It's a destroyer of destroyer. It destroys the build. It destroyed the builder. It destroyed most of the proto-molecule. And I, the proto-molecule in and of itself isn't as invasive as people think it is. I think it just lands on tech or lands on species and then builds the ring to get to that spot. I think the protomolecule is shot out through the galaxy and everywhere that it touches that there is life, it creates a portal to it. Now, that's what I think the protomolecule is. Now, there's something else out there that they have yet to touch on. To, to me, it seems like miniature... It seems like somebody created a miniature black hole tech. And that could be a, a huge problem. And I think that's where this show is headed. Uh, motherfuckers are going to get curious to jump into this fucking black hole shit. 
this fucking world ending they're gonna want it to weaponize it for sure to wipe out each other's rivals and they're gonna cause a lot of fucking problems um but yeah i'm looking forward to season five i, I know i just kind of I, I anyway season four they touch down on isol it's belters versus earth scientists and the earth scientists have their own agenda they want to kick the belters off because the belters are just going to strip mine the fucking planet but they only went down there with a few hundred belters and the only the earthers only sent like a hundred or so people and to study the planet before you know the belters fucked it all up but as the protomolecule was there James Holden went there in the Rasenate and you know the whole turn of events is they discovered that the the protomolecule is billions of years old and it had laid dormant for a long time so they don't you know and then they you know Miller tells Holden that fucking you know he found out you know that this thing shut down the protomolecule a long time ago and it's trying to shut it down still and that you know if they wrap up Miller's story he he ends up stopping the protomolecule on that planet and that's pretty much it I mean off to season 5 we go hold on yeah and I'm looking forward to season 5 man I mean I'm now hooked four seasons deep phenomenal watch um and I highly recommend if you haven't seen it just you know take your time with it you know don't rush it like I was trying to rush it and enjoy it I I really enjoyed it I started enjoying it more towards after season 2 a little bit more than season 1 and you know no regrets I mean I I I got hooked I got hooked and now I'm gonna wait for season 5 I heard it's coming out later this year possibly pending COVID um but yeah that's that's what I gotta say about the expanse I mean phenomenal job on the writing phenomenal and actually Visually, it's really good too. You know, I, I it could use a, a hair more of a budget for the special effects, but I think it, overall it's really well. Um, it's a really, really well done show. I, I, I can, you know, I give it two thumbs up. I give it over like an probably like an eight out of a ten. You know, it does have its lulls. But it's also it's got its high moments as well. Um, so if you get a chance to watch it, I recommend watching it it's on Amazon Prime or Amazon. Uh, check it out, you know. And I, I'll gonna watch this Laker game, and I'll probably talk about the Lakers if they get if they advance to the uh, NBA Finals. Uh, I'll talk about that, you know, momentarily. So we'll see what happens. I, I got to see what the Lakers do though. Oh, and Raiders is Sunday, so we'll talk about that here shortly. Alright, late. Yo, okay. So I'm back and I'm gonna finish off this episode. It's Monday morning, about 6.20 in the morning. I'm heading to work. Um so first off, I watched the Laker game that Saturday versus the Denver Nuggets, and the Lakers advanced, you know. Winning in five against the Nuggets. Uh, getting to the NBA Finals. Now, you know, 
kind of pegged LeBron to get this, get a chip in LA. Um, it's been revealed now that the Miami Heat will be will be playing squaring off against them. I didn't find that out till yesterday. But it's going to be the Miami Heat versus the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, And it's a good matchup. You know what? And before I move on to talking about that, I just want to talk a little bit about closing out the the Nuggets. You know, it's never easy to close out a team. They run everything they have at you. And it was close. You know, they were keeping it really, really close, keeping it really, really interesting. But when the Lakers needed some stops, Anthony Davis with a huge block. Uh, LeBron with the three, you know, Davis with the clutch three, you know, and LeBron, I think, had nine straight points for the Lakers down the stretch. You know, the game plan really worked really well. I was talking about it with, you know, my neighbors, and I just didn't realize that the Lakers had a lot of big bodies. They had Dwight, they have Anthony Davis, they have JaVale McGee, LeBron's big, everybody on it. seems like they have a little core group of just really big. And JaVale McGee didn't have that great of a series, but he's just another body you could put in there to clog up and slow down Jokic. And that's what happened. They slowed him down. Uh, they didn't just let him... You know, pop off every game for 20, 30 points. It just didn't let it happen. Uh, and adversely, having that many big bodies, you get a lot of you get a lot of rebounds. You get a lot of offensive rebounds. I mean, it just put the it put the Nuggets on so much pressure to be flawless. Uh, every offensive possession and every defensive possession that it was a little bit too much for them to overcome. That's no discredit to the Nuggets because I, I believe the Nuggets are like one good big body away from actually... They could have... Some of those games could have gone either way. You know, this game, this series could have gone easily seven games. It could have easily, um, you know... They, the Nuggets could have easily won it. If they had Dwight... And JaVale McGee, it was only Anthony Davis and LeBron. They probably would have beaten the Lakers. So they're not that far away. Um, and Jokic is still is young and coming up, you know. Uh, Jamal Murray was a little bit hobbled in the last game. So, you know, you got you to gotta factor in some of those things. Uh, but overall, you know, the Lakers still were able to, you know, get get to the finals and I think you know and I think it's a good you know it's a good matchup for the Lakers it's, you know Jimmy Butler and company yeah, I haven't paid too much I know Tyler Hero or Harrow he's on the heat and I know he's balling out um, so we're gonna have a little bit of you know, that's a good team. It's two good teams. It's just what it comes down to. You know, it doesn't matter the circumstances of how they got there. It's two good teams. Uh, LeBron is... Like, he's like the link because he played for Miami. So, does Miami have anybody left that knows about playing against LeBron? Uh, 
I don't know. Uh, I'm not even sure if the coach of the Heat is Bolstra still. Um, but either way, before I move completely on to the Heat, I, I just want to give... Uh, yeah, the Nuggets have a lot of grip, man. They came back three down 3-1 to the Clips. So, you know, I think overall, even if, regardless of LeBron wins this chip or not, um, the Nuggets been around for a while, so the NBA got to be on notice about the Nuggets and their potential going forward. Uh, but beyond beyond that, you know, Miami versus LA is an interesting matchup because uh, even back in the day, the storyline is there when Kobe and Shaq had their beef. Shaq was traded to Miami, they ended up winning a title, you know, LeBron played for Miami, now he's playing for the Lakers, and now he's squaring off against Miami, it's just, it's a lot of, you know, the two franchises, you know, Pat Riley, the two franchises have have been dancing the tango for quite some time, but never have actually met in the final, well, I don't know if they haven't met in the finals, but they've been doing this tang, this interesting NBA tango for a number of years. And they just haven't met in in the finals that I'm aware of recently. Even when Kobe was playing and with you know, and LeBron was on that tear with Wade and Bosh, um, the Lakers never met them in the finals. You know, the Thunder got the Thunder got there, and then the Spurs, and ultimately it was the Spurs versus the Heat in those. You know, classic, classic series finals. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to. It. Do I think the Lakers have an edge? Uh, a lot of rest. They're twelve and three in the final, in the playoffs. We got three losses. You know, so they got the rest. They got the time. And actually, you know, that's a good. It's a really good matchup. I think the Heat. I think that overall they got to contain Butler. Uh, both offensively they need to contain him, and they need to take him out of the game plan defensively, because he's gonna draw guarding. Either depending on how we're going to play the Rondo or he's going to have to play against LeBron. You know, LeBron runs up with the ball. And I actually think that's Jimmy Butler's game. You know, taking the point. Uh, but it's just an interesting matchup because he's outside of LeBron and maybe AD, he's a matchup nightmare against any of our other players, so we can't actually have, well, maybe not Rondo, but, you know, he's just a a matchup nightmare, and he's guarding anybody else, and I think that's an automatic, he's in the, you know, he's in, he's in the bonus right there, he's like, he's already got the advantage, I think he's the better player. So the Lakers, outside of LeBron, AD, and maybe a player or two more, 
Butler squares up with the red, uh, squares up really well against the rest of the squad. Now Tyler here, I don't know much about, um, but I know he's scoring like crazy, and I just know he's been making a name for himself these playoffs. He's another one, very hard to contain. Going to be hard to contain. Going to be, you know, one of these types of deals where it's going to be hard to contain some of these boys in in the finals and I yeah I think it's gonna go six games maybe possibly seven uh, but I do think the Lakers gonna edge it out just just because uh, if you put the if you put the pieces we got 80 we got James so that pretty much washes Butler and hero and it's just I think we got a little bit more grit down there got Rondo you got Dwight as much as Jimmy Butler's got that story going on and I know a lot of NBA folks are salivating at that story as well like you know oh you know um, Jimmy Butler's been this ultimate journeyman where he's been on like several different teams and now he's got this home and, and you know everybody passed up on his potential uh, and he just fits well with Miami I know that's got that story but Rondo also has that story. Dwight also has that story now. So that that kind of narrative isn't just shared by one player on the Heat. It's shared by two players on the Lakers. You know, they got that. But the Lakers got that. And also, Braun has that as well. You know, Braun's now played for the Cavs on two different times. He's played for the Heat. Now he's playing for the Lakers. So, you know, he's the ultimate journeyman you know, the ultimate journeyman notion is there for both teams. So you got to take that kind of away from, and, and that's no, you can't take it away from Jimmy Butler. You're just taking it away. That can't be the narrative. That can't, I don't believe that's how the, the Heat are going to rally cry because the Lakers could rally cry, you know, as well. Rondo getting that second ring. Dwight getting his first, you know, doing anything he can to get his first. You know, I know back in the day there were, you know, he said he was. He already felt like a championship because he'd done a lot in the NBA. But I don't think nothing would cement his statement more than actually winning a championship, helping the Lakers. They, he did, Dwight actually helped a lot, you know, in his Denver series. Uh, you know, redemption for Rondo. Rondo, too, bounced around for a little bit. Kind of had that, you know... That he couldn't fit in with any team either. You know, it was a bad... You know, it was a bad seed, a bad apple. It was not a, a, a teammate. Uh, you know, he missed a lot of time. Five months due to hand injury, but now he's back in the bubble. You know, and I and I think Rondo... You know, he was good homies with Kobe, I believe. You know... Rondo would like to be proven that he's still worth the shit in the NBA and that you know he is an elite point he's not only got all the the marbles to play to be one of the top points and he doesn't get the credit you know there's CP there's Russell Westbrook and all these other people out there that you know play the point guard position and he doesn't get in he doesn't get the credit he deserves so I think he's going to play with a lot of you know heart you know so well, the Lakers gonna have and Anthony Davis as well. I mean, he's young, he's hungry. You know, when he was on 
New Orleans, the Pelicans, can't tell me that all those losses, all those years, didn't eat away at him at his talent, thinking like, man, you know, like, I could go so much farther, I could do so much more. Uh, and now he has a chance to prove it. Like, he can go so much farther. He can do so much more. And Anthony Davis has been a big help. I know his rebounds haven't been there late, lately. But he's another big body. I mean, if you're going to play small ball against the Lakers and he's on the floor, he's going to take, he's going to gobble up a lot of rebounds. So I expect Anthony Davis to have a big series this series as well. Not just. But but defensively, uh, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, and then his scoring. That's why we got him here. You know, to plug up the paint and do things of the nature. So, that's what I see in this series. Um, moving on, yesterday, Sunday, it was a big game versus the Raiders versus the Patriots. And the Raiders laid a goose egg. Well, they didn't get blamed, but... They kind of just fell flat. Uh, the Patriots took us all the way out of our game. And we lost. Uh, painfully obvious to note that our defense is still a work in progress. Uh, we couldn't stop the run. The Patriots just started gashing us on the run. And that pretty much our the game that we play... They took us all the way out of our gameplay, and they, they forced us to drop back and pass. Um, their pass rush. You got to tip the hat to Belichick. Is it, even though I kind of felt that they were gonna they were gonna go like win only four games this year, he's got them trending the right way. And now I see the bigger picture that they just plugged in Cam Newton instead of Brady, and the team is essentially the same, but with the younger, more mobile quarterback that can win the game on his feet like the, the Cam Newton did yesterday he just ran for a first down uh, Cam Newton is not going to take the amount of abuse he did in Carolina in absolutely no way and with their run game and with their and he can throw the ball so I mean I kind of overlooked all of that on the Patriots do I think the Patriots are going to get past Baltimore or Kansas City even Pittsburgh no um, or any or any good team on the NFC? No, that's already proven. They already lost to the Seahawks and pretty decisively. Uh, but yeah, you know, yeah, the Patriots just took us out of. You know, also traveling that far east, you know, has not never boded well for the Raiders. But we gotta fig- we gotta shore up this run defense, Jonathan Abram. Uh, he was insert. He was, you know, they had him in circles as well. Um, Carlson missed the field goal, even though it doesn't bear much on the game. That kind of, I think, that kind of killed any momentum we we had. Uh, we we got down. We actually got down a lot, you know, and and we did we did that against the Saints, and unfortunately, in the Saints game, we were able to come up with. A takeaway and come up with you know some points off of turnovers tied up score on them coming out the half but the Saints aren't that good of a team compared to the Patriots we tried that we scored just before half we had a turnover 
Um, and we tried scoring out of the halftime, and I think we kicked the field goal. Or we did something, and... Or no, we missed... Maybe we missed it. No, we had a three now, I think. And the Patriots just... They just took us out of the game plan. They, not, I, you know, a lot of people are blaming Derek Carr. You know, Derek Carr had a bad game. Uh, and I actually, he didn't have that bad of a game. He just had the two to the two lost fumbles. But that ha- I don't believe that has much to do with him more so than it does have to do with the Patriots are well coached in that way because they they made uh, Josh Jacobs fumble the ball even though that wasn't really technically a fumble. They were able to punch the ball out of his hand. It hit the ground. He got it. It looked like he got it back. Uh, so the NFL kind of botched that one, but that didn't bear too much on the game. But they did the same to Derek. They seemed just took him way out the game, forced some fumbles from him, and you know, that's what it is. It, you know, the Patriots do that to good teams. They do that to better teams than us, and. Um, did I think we were able to compete with them? Yes, I did. Actually, we did a pretty good job in the first half. Just seemingly, Belichick took all of our mojo out of us in the second half, and we just couldn't we couldn't bounce back. And then the running game aspect of it, you know, he was able to do all those running laterals and not laterals, but running laterally and just gashed us. He just gashed the Raiders' defense. And scoring on us, and then seemingly the time was running out. Um, and it's just what it is, you know. We go home, we play Buffalo, and Buffalo may or may not gash us as well. But I think we have a fighter's chance of winning that one too, so because we're at home, you know. But that's it for the sports, you know, wrap up. I'm looking forward to these finals. I don't know when the finals kick off, but I'm gonna be watching them. You know, and go Lakers, go Raiders too, go Dodgers. I know the Dodgers about ready to head to the playoffs as well. So I know the Dodgers beat the Angels. So there's, there's that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'll get this posted up here shortly, and um, I'll see you guys on the next episode. I'm out.